возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которая очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это – да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Зажигаются, Господи, тысячи слов для тебя, как молитва звучат. В храме твоем оживают сердца наши, Господи, и от земли на тебя. Стремляем свой взгляд, верую, верую, Господи, верую на все времена, силою Бога воскрешила. Тому небу с молитвами Просим Тебя, Ты услыши ответ Божий нам И сохрани в этой жизни, Господь, Ты нас в истине Благословляя на 
наш путь от земли к небесам. Верую, верую, Господи, верую на все времена. Вечность и постичь, 
And so, as always, before we continue to be immersed in our immersed in our inheritance, we will turn to the epigraph of our study of the Word of God, Luke 24:44. Then he said to them, "These are the words which I spoke to you." While I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so that we, as members of the body of Christ, divide with Christ all that was written about Him in Scripture, we will continue our study in the direction of our cooperation with the Holy Spirit in what we must do on our end, so that we receive the right. To set aside our former way of life, to be clothed in the new way of life. Ephesians 4:22-24, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. For the fulfillment of this commandment, there are three basic commands and verbs that are included. This is to set aside, to renew, and to be clothed. We have noted that answering these faithful questions will affect whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it forever? Because of this, our names will forever be blotted out of the book of life. In a certain format, we have already examined the first two questions and have stopped to examine the question: What conditions must we fulfill so that through our renewed thinking we could begin the process of clothing ourselves into the powers of our new man, who is created by God in Christ Jesus in the righteousness and holiness of truth? And in regards to clothing ourselves into our new man, we came to the conclusion that we need God's help in the subject of His mercy. Because God's mercy is the unique power of God that yields the essence of God and the inheritance of man out of the seed of the Word of Truth. The means for accepting this kind of help expressed in the inheritance of God's mercies is the weapon of prayer or worship, because prayer is simply the right that man gives the heavens to interfere here on earth. And we are called to give God this right only on His established conditions. One of David's prayers written in the 143rd Psalm, where he gives God the right to interfere in his life, his mercy and truth, it will be an example for us of our inheritance. It was the subject of our next study. We will read it. O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness, do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul; he has crushed my life to the ground; he has made me dwell in darkness, like those who have long been dead. 
Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of the old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your pace from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, for my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. To be heard by God, it was necessary for David to present God a foundation or a right that could serve for God as proof that he could enter into David's life with his mercy and truth. And these, from David's perspective, this kind of proof in this prayer contained ten different arguments that brought that David brought to God, saying, Hear me because of your righteousness and truth. Hear me because I remember the days of the old and all of your works. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me because I trust in you. Hear me because I lift my soul up to you. Hear me, for I run to you. Hear me, because you are my God. Hear me for your name. Hear me for your mercy. Hear me, because I am your servant. In the previous sermon, we have already examined the nature of the first argument that gave God the legal right to stand on David's behalf to help him withstand his enemies, that gave God the legal right to stand on David's behalf. We have stopped to examine the second argument, evidence that David remembered the days of the old. We must, when examining these different signs, we must uh, think about David because this is the, the prayer that Holy Spirit gave for us so that we can pray with it and we can bring certain evidence. That's why the second argument is evidence that he was in the remembrance of the days of the old and all the works of God made in these days. Thanks to the fact that these works of God were written on the tablets of heart, that's why he could have remembered them. And in relation to this, we began to study the image of a continual prayer in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which served as a con constant memorial before God. And as we know, this plate of judgment served only object. This was Ureman the meme, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and it allowed man to hear God. And so to be heard by God in the revelations of his Urim, it was necessary to maintain a remembrance of the works of God in the subject of his Thumim, which God had made in the days of the old. Answering the question, what is the purpose and is the breastplate of judgment called to fill between God and his redeemed child, the breastplate of judgment as a subject of a continual memorial before God? We came to the conclusion that a breastplate of judgment as a subject of a continual prayer before God is a sacred image of the format of a continual prayer. And so a prayer that does not meet the requirements and characteristics of a breastplate of judgment does not have a right to be called a prayer.
потому что только формат постоянной молитвы, представленный в судном на перстнике первосвященника, дает нам право входить во святилище, как царям и священникам Богу, которые призваны представлять интересы суда Божьего в соответствии тех заповедей и уставов, Because only the format of a constant prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to enter the sanctuary as kings and priests unto God who are called to represent the interests of the judgments of God according to those commandments and statutes that define the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh in the twelve pearly gates and twelve names of the sons of Jacob engraved on these gates. Colossians 4.2 Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Continuity in prayer is defined by a burning lamp that defines the state of the righteous heart in man. Proverbs 13.9 The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. The order of the makeup of the breastplate of judgment contains conditions that true worshippers of God, whom God searches for himself, are supposed to have. If we break the order of this sequence, then the breastplate of judgment that yields the state and nature of a worshipper cannot be called a breastplate of judgment. And it cannot be called a blessed prayer of judgment. But the hour is coming, coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. John 4, 23-24 Worshiping the Father in spirit and truth is to not damage the truth and the pursuit of goals that are set by God in Scripture that many did before and many continue to do due to their ignorance or their hypocrisy or even their jealousy. We have already noted that in the Septuagint, our translation is called Septuagint, the breastplate of judgment is called a sign of judgment because through Arimanthamim, the breastplate of judgment, God gave his judgment or God gave his judgment to, to man. He revealed his light and his truth. The image of the breastplate of judgment finds its expression in the conscience of man that is cleansed from dead works, on the tablets of which, as well as the seal, is the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. A conscience that is cleansed from dead works with a seal on the tablets of truth and rightness will yield the nature of true worshippers who will give God the right to act in them and through them on planet Earth. And God searches for these kind of worshippers for himself. In a certain format, we have already looked at the measurements and material out of which the breastplate of judgment was to be made. And we have stopped to look at the next condition, which states, And you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be sardius, topaz, and an emerald. The second shall be carbuncle, sapphire, and a diamond. The third, jacinth, and agate, and the amethyst. In the fourth row, a chrysolite, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in golden settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a singlet, each one with its own name. They shall be according to the twelve tribes. Exodus 28, 17-21 We have already noted that the twelve gold settings on the breastplate of judgment is an image of the judgment of God in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh written on the tablets of our heart. These twelve golden settings yield the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, which we, as the worshippers of God, are called to represent in our continual prayer. In the twelve precious stones with the engravings of markings of the twelve names of the sons of Israel is an image of our prayer, of our continual prayer, that represent the perfect judgments of God. 
This we know that the from this we can conclude that the golden settings on the subject of the truth of the Word of God are, are engraved to fit the stones. The golden settings are not engraved to fit the stones. The stones are engraved to fit the measurements of the golden settings of truth. When we will, according to the will of God, we speak his words. We speak what he wants to say in this moment. In this manner, specifically, he is God. He begins prayer and he ends it. Because when we pray according to his will, we pray with his words. That's why it is said, God is the initiator of prayer. He begins it and he ends it. And if this does not occur, and if we pray not according to the will of God, then God cannot be the initiator of prayer, and he cannot put a period at the end of our prayer. A continual prayer, first and foremost, is an unceasing prayer that finds its expression in trust in God in which a person representing the interests of God and his intercessory does not step away from the goal until he receives what he has asked for. The makeup of the breastplate of judgment expresses itself in the ability and means that define the core of a continual prayer that is necessary to obtain the goal that is set by God in the makeup of the kingdom of heaven that is presented in the tree of life. And this is seen in the tree of life, as we see here. Growing the tree of life in our heart is building ourselves into the new man created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth into a spiritual dwelling, a holy place. We have noted that all of the grandeur and order of the temple was made for only one holy object, and it served only one holy object. It served the golden ark of the covenant. The same way the ephod of the high priest with the breastplate of judgment was created and served only one holy object, which was called to exactly double and fulfill the functions of the golden ark. This was Urim and Thummim. The golden ark of the covenant and the breastplate of judgment figuratively represented the conscience of a person that has been cleansed from dead works. Urim and Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection, light and right or revelation and truth. For example, the Tekalog placed inside of the Ark of the Covenant was truth, and this truth was presented on the breastplate of judgment as Thumim. The revelation that a person could receive under the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was presented in the breastplate of judgment as Urim. Urim is light, and Thumim is truth. Therefore, a worshiper of God can only be a person who has a conscience that is cleansed from dead works, or who has a wise heart, on the tablets of which is sealed truth in the subject of Thumim. Because of this, the revelation of God in the subject of Rim could exist only in the boundaries of truth that are represented by Thumim in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. As it is written, And I have put wisdom in the heart of all gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31.6 We have said many times that God will never put his wisdom in a foolish heart. A foolish heart is a heart that does not have the word of God in it. The word of God that it does not understand. That it does not understand. Because then why is Urim needed with which God revealed the mystery of his word? And people, they are very proud to accept this kind of word that they don't understand and to keep it in their hearts, like Maria did 
the mother of Jesus. She didn't understand what her son said, but it read that is is written that she kept these words in her heart. And many apostles didn't understand what Christ said, but they kept it in their hearts. That's why Urim, in the face of the Holy Spirit, had the opportunity to come to man and to reveal in him that which was already contained in him, the mystery that was contained in him before God. We have said many times that that mystery that we carry before God, those mysteries that we receive but do not understand, they are food for God on the golden table. If we do not have this kind of word, if we do not accept it, that we don't have a golden table, and we are far from being a spiritual dwelling in which the Holy Spirit can abide as the Lord and ruler of our life. That's why this is basically referring to a property of wisdom that is contained in Tumim and Arim, and the fact that the carriers of Tumim and Arim are worshippers of God and have the immune system of the Holy Spirit. This is what it is said about these kind of people. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11. And of Levi he said, Levites are worshippers of God who enter into the sanctuary. So you and I, under the condition that we have the element of a continual prayer in the subject of a breastplate of judgment. And of Levi he said, Let your Thumim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massah, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers, or know his own children, for they have deserved, observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments, and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you, and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him, and of those who hate him, that they rise not against Again. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11 The future of people who say that they belong to God's chosen nation, but they are against the carriers of the Mimonarim and hate them because they, la- they themselves lack the Mimonarim, they will be headed toward a lake of fire. This is their future. In a certain format, we have already examined the first five properties of a worshiper of God through whom God could continually express and fulfill His will on planet Earth. We have stopped to examine the sixth component of a worshiper expressed on the breastplate of judgment of our heart in the virtue of the precious diamond stone. In the sixth name, on the second row, engraved on a precious stone on the precious tablets of our heart was the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, whose name means wrestler. And Rachel's maid, Bilhah, conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali, meaning wrestler. Genesis 37-8. We have noted that diamond is a pure adamant stone, and the word adamant does not have a relation to any other stone beside diamond. It has a, it has, um, it is known for its hardness. It is also a gem that is cut no other way than like a diamond cut. Considering that the name of the the meaning of the name Naphtali, wrestler, engraved on the precious diamond stone, is a weapon with which we are called to withstand and fight our enemies, it is a constant prayer in the power of the Holy Spirit that answers to the conditions of the precious diamond stone cut in a diamond cut. 
The name of God in the precious diamond stone, according to Jewish rabbis in Hebrew, means El Hai, which translated to Russian means living God. So the word Hai in Israel means living. When they say Hai Israel means may Israel live, may Israel live. And so, therefore, according to the name, meaning of the name Naphtali and the precious diamond stone, we know that the function of the sixth principle laid as a foundation of our constant prayer with which we need to serve as a continual memorial before God, it is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to be with us in prayer battle against the powers of darkness that go against us fulfilling the will of God, the name of the living God. But the Lord is a true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath, the earth will tremble, and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. Jeremiah 10.10 We have noted that the name of the living God was the format of an oath. And that category of the holy nation that did not learn how to swear by the living God and swore to Him falsely, they were headed toward total annihilation. Jeremiah 12, 16-17 And it shall be, if they learn carefully the ways of my people, to swear by my name as the Lord lives. So the ways of the people are swearing by the name of the living God. As they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy the nation, says the Lord. We have noted that in Hebrew, the, name, the word living in reference to God means dwelling, great, unlimited in power, determining our being, creator of our being, containing our being, preserving our being, overlooking over our being, and the Lord over our being. Deuteronomy 10, 20-21 You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve Him, and to Him you shall hold fast, and take oaths in His name. He is your praise, and He is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. The result of taking an oath in the name of the living God always meant the fulfillment of the promise for which we made an oath unto God. The properties of warrior of prayer that are contained in the virtue of the name of the living God are called to represent the limitless authority of God over our being and in the time and limits allotted to us. Because of all this, we will need to define what purpose is God pursuing when He calls His children to become warriors of prayer, as well as how and under what conditions can God give a person the right to become a warrior of prayer so that a person could represent the interests of God in the realization of his inheritance in God. And according to definitions in Scripture, to being a warrior of prayer it is the legitimate and privileged inheritance of saints of all time. Second, this is their original purpose expressed in their calling to trample the wickedness of the wicked in prayer battle. Three, this is one of the greatest provisions that is given by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and priest unto God and is seen by God as a diamond with the engraving of the name Naphtali. Because of this, the prayer of a warrior of prayer is a kind of sacred and valued mystery that has an unearthly origin. Therefore, it is inaccessible if it tries to be mastered through earthly ways. Out of all the different forms of services, prayer is the most difficult kind of service that many Christians in many circumstances run away from, neglect, and also reject. 
1 Timothy 1.18 This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare and to define and build a system that will help us grasp the nature of a continual prayer and signs that will yield a warrior of prayer that could be founded on concrete commandments of God, then according to revelations from Scripture, our prayer and the quality of warriors of prayer, yielded by the virtues of a diamond, are supposed to be unceasing or continual. They are also supposed to be assiduous, third, diligent, four, with boldness, five, reverential, six, with faith or trust in God, seven, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, or by prayer in tongues. It was worth noting that each of the ten components of prayer are located in one another, they come from one another, they strengthen one another, they fill one another, and they define the truth of one another. In other words, in each of the ten components, there exists a balance of the other nine components. And therefore, the truth of each component is verified by the presence of the other components, which in their makeup create a wonderful balance. However, each of the ten components has a certain taste, color, scent, and character that only belongs to that particular component, and it has its own face, its own use, and its own intended purpose. In a certain format, we have already looked at the first four components as a part of the nature of prayer in the state of a warrior of prayer. Therefore, we will turn our attention to the fifth component in the nature of a warrior of prayer. This is reverence. The character and virtue that are contained in the word reverence are attributed to prayer as a commandment in a military order, non-compliance of which, during acts of war, when we are called to battle the organized powers of darkness, will result in a disruption in our relationship with God, which is equal to second death. Reverence as a virtue and atmosphere of the spirit relates to the state of the heart of one who prays, which is called to be present in all that man does with assiduousness from the soul. A continual prayer is a phenomenon of an unearthly origin. Although it is made in time and grasps time, it is located outside of time and it rules over time. And to better understand the meaning of the element reverence, we will build upon a foundation of four aspects so that we could define the evidence of reverence and see the the necessity of having reverence in our prayer life with God. Definition and purpose of reverence, the price for gaining reverence, three, keeping and cultivating reverence, and the fruits and rewards of reverence. And so we will look at how Scripture defines reverence and the purpose that it gives it in the prayer life of a warrior of prayer. According to statements in Scripture, the definition and purpose contained in the word reference, as well as other components of prayer, are directly related to the quality of our faith. In the Webster Dictionary, the word reverence is defined as a mixed feeling of holy trembling, fear, and astonishment. And when we are referring to the fear of the Lord, we are referring to God's wisdom in which a person is familiar with the order of God in his worship before God. Therefore, the word reverence is used in Scripture as an attribution to God and his works. 
However, there also exists a different kind of trembling in faith in the might of God that does not express reverence but rather a negative kind of fear that contains torment. This is a demonic trembling and a demonic faith. James 2.19 For example, in Hebrew, the word reverence is endowed with six different words, whereas in Greek, it is endowed with three. In the Old Testament, this word is met 400 times with different forms of the word that are often translated to trembling or the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of the wisdom of God. In this manner, the presence of reverence in prayer assumes the presence of the wisdom of God or knowledge about how to pray. True trembling is a reverent relationship that is founded on knowledge of who God is for us and what God has done for us. True trembling that expresses reverence is the readiness to mindfully and willingly obey God in which our informational organ rules over our emotional organ. So this is not an emotion. This is the willful thing of this information that leads information that leads emotion true trembling that expresses reverence is a special state not only of the heart but of the soul that directs our next thoughts words and actions that is why we as the children of God must relate with respect to God and his ability to rule in his absolute authority to fulfill his will and so the first question, in what circumstances and under what conditions does Scripture define the essence and purpose of reverence? Considering that all of the components of prayer are contained in one another, are located in one another, and come from one another, uphold one another, and ratify the truth of one another, and to begin, I'll remind you of the antonyms that a warrior of prayer is supposed to have, which is the subject of our current study, because with the background of an antonym, it will be easier for us to see the un and understand the properties and character of prayer. The same way in the background of the night stars are seen more brightly, and in the background of a great trial we better sense the nearness of God. This is not only seen in scripture but also in one of the songs that we sing. The darker the night, the brighter the stars, the deeper the pain, the closer is God. And so, in unceasing prayer, the antonym of this is unfaithful or non-continual. The antonym of an assiduous prayer is resistance. Diligent antonym is lazy. Boldness antonym is audacity. Reverence antonym is to neglect or to hate. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? Psalms 50, 16 through 17. I will refer to the words reverence, to revere, and to those who are reverent, how they are seen in Scripture, and how they are presented in Scripture, and what words in Hebrew as well as in Greek. Reverence is an expression of love toward God. It is filled with the fear of the Lord. It is an expression of horror and trembling. Do you remember that each time when God was revealed to man, then man came in horror. Do you remember when Daniel, he fell on his face? He couldn't even 
lift himself up. And when he was, Gabriel continued to talk to him, he said, Lord, I cannot stand because of the power that is in you if you don't strengthen me. And then Gabriel touched him and he was able to stand and to hear. So when truly God begins to come near, a person has horror and, and, and um, trembling. Of course, a horror in, in a good sense, in a positive sense. It also means cautious, careful, respect, honor, heaviness, weight. Reverence is property and wealth. It is glory, majesty, splendor, honor, praise, an island or islands, sanctification, and it is mercy out of sheep's clothing. And these also, reverence, also interesting that it is seen as an island or islands, sanctification, and again, mercy out of sheep's clothing. If we go over all those, then I think, then we will need a few years to go over it. That's why we will take only a few of these. But islands, you know what it means? Do you know what it means to be island? Is to be sanctified. When the water is around you, you are sanctified. You is example of holiness. Mercy out of sheep's clothing is when your clothing, your garments, are the garments of sheep. When you offer or show humility. This is what expresses reverence and humility. But to revere is to sanctify God, to show faithfulness forever and ever, to express love for God in His Word, to be broken, contrite, to tremble, be touched, to be filled with horror, to be amazed by horror, to receive, to acquire, to be horrified, to crush. So not only for us to be contrite and broken, but also to break something and to contrite with ourselves, to bring to a state of being broken. And those who are reverent means those who fear God, tremble before God, fearful of God, loved by God, worshiping God, showing faithfulness to God, feeling horror, and those who receive healing in the rays of the rising sun of truth. This is one who is reverent. But to revere with goodness is to be filled with kindness, to be full of immaculate joy, to receive goodness and kindness from the Lord, to have well-being and prosperity, and to fill your house with property. The property, of course, your spiritual dwelling. And now we will turn to certain places of Scripture that will provide the definition and purpose of the property of reverence and prayer by which we could know the different components that are contained in Scripture. First, what I would like to fo pay, focus our attention on is reverence and prayer. Reverence and prayer is the joyful expression of a person's love toward God in His holy name. Holy name. Ne Nehemiah 1.11 O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. This is the kind of prayer that he made before he answered to the king, to the question of the king. Why is your face sorrowful? And this is an interesting prayer that he lifts up. 
Be attentive to the prayer of your servants and to the prayer of your servants who desire to revere before your name. According to the fact that servants of the Lord who enter before the face of the Lord love to revere before the name of the Lord, then it should be noted that the lack of reverence in prayer is a lack of a joyful love for the name of God. As it is written, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Psalms 101 through 5. And so a lack of reverence and prayer expressing joyful love of man for God is not accepting the love of truth for our salvation which will result in signing a petition of death and will be enacted by God when God visits man. But before this, these kind of people will be lost and saved until the day their petition is delivered by God. Second Thessalonians 2, 7-12 For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So this is referring to the mystery of lawlessness, but is at work, but it cannot be unveiled in the Antichrist who will stand um, as the head of Europe. Who Something is holding him back, and this who is the bride of the Lamb. And when she is taken from the land, the Lord consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of truth, that they might be saved. Pay your focus and attention, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They did not begin to pray uh, to pray in reverence and tremble before the word of God. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Second, reverence in prayer is the ability to repair the ark of salvation for our house by judging the world and making us into inheritors of righteousness by faith. Hebrews 11.7 By faith Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. To be made inheritance of righteousness by faith, it is important to turn to the conditions of revelation with severity on the foundation of which we could reverently prepare the ark for the salvation of our household. The faith of Noah was in his readiness to accept the revelation of the Holy Spirit and reverently obey his revelation, this kind of revelation. And if Noah were to not have this readiness, then the Holy Spirit would never have entrusted him the revelation for the salvation of his home. Revelation of the salvation of his home was comprised of the measurements of the ark in the nature of the mere materials out of which it was necessary to build the ark. We must underline two things. Are we in the order of our home, the head of which is Noah? And what is the nature of our anointing? 
Is it the nature of Noah to be the head of the home, or the anointing of the sons of Noah to obey the words of Noah? This is how the Holy Spirit unveiled this order in the affirmation of our salvation through the anointing of Apostle Paul. For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him amen, to the glory of God through us. Now He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. 2 Corinthians 1, 20-22 According to this order, we know that all of the promises that belong to us are given to a person who has the anointing of Noah. And to receive these revelations, it, would ne- it was necessary for the sons of Noah to be to have the anointing of accepting and fulfilling the revelations that give us the right to fulfill our salvation. The anointing of Noah in the face of the messengers of God is defined by the meaning contained in the name of Noah, and the anointing of the sons of Noah is defined by the meanings of their names Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah means comfort. This is the kind of anointing, how this is the anointing of the messengers of God for those who will be willing to hear it. Shem is glory, Hem is sweltering, meaning desiring, sweltering, desiring. Hem is sometimes attributed to a bad meaning, but the name Ham itself is not our word. Ham. This means sweltering or a desire. God gives only to those who are sweltering, who are desiring. And Japheth meaning, may God spread. So a person who spreads, God wants us to expand, to spread, and to take over that territory that belongs to us by right. We should also note that the anointing of the sons of Noah, which give us the right and ability to obey the revelations of Noah and be comforted by the revelations of Noah, is the presence of all of the virtues of the names of the sons of Noah in our heart. To better see this anointing that is called to participate in our salvation through our reverence, I will bring forth a place of scripture for each name which will help us understand the order in which we are called to fulfill our salvation. The anointing of the messengers of God in the name of Noah is in all mourning to be comforted by the Lord and comfort saints who are in mourning, which is possible, by having the anointing of the sons of Noah. So, if the messenger of God who is placed by God, he does not endure trials, he cannot then come for others. This is what 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7 says of this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort. The Apostle is referring to himself and those who are like him, continuing, to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which our we ourselves are comforted by God. So that comfort that they will receive, they will take this comfort and they will then comfort the sons of Noah. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So if we are afflicted, this is only so that you can then be comforted, which is affected for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffering. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that you are partakers of the sufferings. So all 
also you will partake to the consolation. And so the anointing to accept and obey the revelations of the messengers of God contained in the name Shem is called to show what kind of riches of glory are contained in the mysteries for the Gentiles, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory, which points to the justification of Christ that is in us, because the name Shem means glory. Colossians 1, 26-29 The mystery which has been hitting this is what we're supposed to have so that we can receive comfort from Noah so that we can perfect our salvation. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God had a will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery along the, among the Gentiles. If people have the saints have Christ's they can be comforted by Noah, the messenger of God. If they don't, they will not be comforted. And so he says, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Furthermore, anointing to accept and obey the revelations of the messengers of God contained in the name Ham is called to show the heat of our hearts expressed in the level of our desire. Because God never gives anyone anything again unless a person desires it. He brings a person to such a, a kind of desire and only then he reveals it. John 7, 37 39 If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So if anyone thirsts, whoever is ham, not in the meaning of the Russian word, but the Hebrew word, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Though if there is no anointing of Ham, the Holy Spirit will never come upon the heart of a person. Anointing to accept and obey the revelations of the messengers of God contained in the name Japheth is called to show the level of boldness in what belongs to us by right. Isaiah 54, 2-3 Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. In this manner, reverence as a means to achieving the perfection of our salvation should be defined by the correct relationship between the messengers of God and saints who obey themselves to these revelations. We are talking about the definition of reverence. Third, reverence in prayer is the ability to honor God so that He receives the ability to have mercy on us. Malachi 1, 6-9 A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is a contemptible. When you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? 
Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious upon us. While this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. And so in these prophetic words, bringing unclean bread upon the altar of the Lord is an image of the offering of first fruits and tithes in which we search for material rewards. And then this bread is not is becomes unclean. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Galatians 6, 7 through 8. We have noted not once the messengers of Mammon who, who, who preach that if you sow money, you will reap money. You need to look how you will sow money. If you sow them in the flesh, in the flesh, you will harvest. Money cannot be sown in money. Yes, you will sow one dollar, then you may gain a hundred. This doesn't happen. Look where you are sowing your profit. If you give God tithes so that you receive something for the flesh, then you will reap havoc. But you will reap of the flesh, but he who sows the Spirit will, um, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. This is what it means. Offering something blind upon the altar of the Lord are prayers in which a person cares not about his inner cleansing for motives so that he could answer to the conditions of true goodness, but cares for his outward appearance, which has only an outer appearance of goodness. Look at how it says here. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also, Matthew 23, 25-26. Look who are the blind here when they bring a blind sacrifice. When a person brings something, a sacrifice, it has an outward appearance of goodness. Look in the churches, mostly, how people are supposed to be dressed. I know because I periodically say this, but I don't say it. I don't come from this. I'm not based on this because I repeat, there is a person who just doesn't know. He is still carnal, but he's genuine. He doesn't understand that he's dressing incorrectly. We shouldn't dress everyone according to ourselves or how we understand it. That's why my helpers, I'm often supposed to limit because sometimes the purpose of their worship is if you come in this kind of clothing or you come not if you come if you come in a skirt and not pants then the Lord will abide here no because there are pants for women and there are pants for men you can wear a skirt where it would be inappropriate to look and you can wear classic pants or a person will look professional, classic. Don't look, don't look at what if a person is wearing whether a skirt or pants, but look at, look at yourselves, what kind of skirt, what kind of pants you are wearing. Third 
Offering something lame upon the altar of the Lord are prayers in which a person accepts a false deity instead of the true God. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answer him not in a word. When they came to pray to God, to offer something, a, some kind of sacrifice, because a prayer is a sacrifice, then it was lame. Their prayer was lame because they couldn't define where is Baal and where is God. What Christ are you worshipping? Why are you standing on your ears? Why are you running like a monkey, entering in, by motorcycle onto the altar where there is worship? What are you thinking of? And you think that this is true God, but people think that the true God, that they that they are worshiping the true God, and they are crying. But what they are offering is lame. But they think that they are worshiping God, when in fact God is not there. Offering something sick upon the altar of the Lord are prayers that come comes from a heart full of resentment, in which a person denies to give place for the wrath of God and accept God as a supreme judge. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Romans 12:19. In this manner, the ability to honor God so that He could receive the opportunity to have mercy on us is presented in these components which yield the essence of reverence in prayer. So I will re uh, repeat these four things that we were just talking about. Reverence in prayer is upon offering God tithes and offerings to sow in the spirit, not the flesh, which means that in our offerings to search for things that are above and contemplate over things from above. Reverence in prayer is worrying about our heart, being cleansed from dead works so that we can serve the true living God. Reverence in prayer is the ability to distinguish a false deity from the living God and to follow the living God. Reverence in prayer is the readiness and ability to forgive our debtors so that we can give retribution for the damage done to us. Furthermore, fourth, reverence in prayer is a state in which God makes a covenant with man of life and peace. Malachi 2, 5-7 My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, and I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and in equity and turned many away from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge and people should seek the law from his mouth for he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. Malachi 2, 5-7 According to the meaning of these words, we know that the fear of the Lord is contained in a covenant with God that is defined by a covenant of life and peace, which yields reverence and prayer before the name of God expressed in the name of His Word, which He lifted higher above all of His names. For you have magnified your Word above all your name. Psalms 138.2 A lack of a relationship to the Word of God, the highest authority of every prophetic word, and in replacing this authority with the prophecies of people who prophesy according to the level of their faith, is a lack of reverence in our prayers. Because we can only revere before what we value in our hearts as the highest authority. Many children of God see the high authority, a high authority as the um, prophets 
prophecies of people and not the word. We are supposed to respect the prophecies of people who prophecy according to the faith. What they say is as much as they is what they say, but we must revere before the true word of God. This is what Apostle Peter says, 2 Peter 1, 19-21. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So here we are talking about this prophetic word. In this manner, reverence and prayer is checked by our relationship to the highest authority of God, which is His word yield in our heart as the fear of the Lord. Thumim, God's wisdom, the teaching of Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh. Therefore, the presence of the fear of the Lord in our heart is verified by our acceptance of the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, written on the tablets of our heart. From this, we note that if a person is selfish in his relationship to the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, then he will be disobedient toward the authority of Scripture, and disobedience toward the authority of Scripture and reverence and prayer cannot coexist. So a person who is ignorant towards the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, he cannot understand reverence nor have it. 5. Reverence in prayer is a condition to be heard by God so that he receives the opportunity to save us from death. This is a condition that a person fulfills and proves by this, this that he has reverence. Let's look at this kind of condition. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with them and cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. Hebrews 5, 7. If the Son of God were to not have been reverent to the will of his Father, then he would not have been heard by the Father. Prayer that is made in reverence is a weapon with which we are called to fulfill the will of God and realize our calling so that we can enter into the inheritance that is prepared for us. Because from the perfect law of freedom, without prayer brought to God with reverence, God cannot do anything for us nor for humanity in general. In other words, God cannot do anything until he is asked of it in prayer with reverence. It is worth noting that the higher the level of our reverence before God, the more effective the level of our service will be. Because of this, only our incompetent prayer could limit God in his good intentions and cause him to place his limits upon us in our fulfillment of his will. For our prayer to be effective or pleasing to God, it must answer to conditions laid out in Scripture, or rather, it must have the quality or component of reverence. If our prayers as our weapon do not coincide with its intentions to fulfill acts of war in spiritual sphere so that instead of bringing destruction to the organized powers of darkness, they will destroy us. Because prayers which we do not receive an answer for destroy not the works of darkness but our trusted relationship with God, or rather, they destroy our faith and hope in Him. Destroys our faith and our hope in Him. 
God answers all prayers to prayers to only those who are reverent. That's why prayer without reverence begins to destroy our faith and hope in Him. And of course, devil uses these kind of prayers against us and knows fully well that prayer does not contain, that does not contain reverence, cannot bring him harm, he cannot bring devil any harm for the simple reason that this kind of prayer does not fulfill the conditions of God. That is why only that prayer that has an element of reverence pleases God and therefore has an effective result. Therefore, for the weapon of prayer to be effective, it is necessary to use this weapon, and of course, to learn about this weapon and its use, we are supposed to use our time, means, and our energy. And if people have bitterness in their heart and they tremble from retribution, just as King Belshazzar trembled when he saw the hand that wrote him the verdict then people who have reverence tremble from their overflowing of astonishment and joy. Of course, as we have said before, reverence in prayer is not just an advice or recommendation and the fulfillment of which will not bring us anything. This is, this is an order, a military order and a command. According to the words of Scripture, the lack of reverence in prayer calls upon a person making this prayer the wrath of God and leads him away from eternal life. Psalms 2, 11-12, talking about reverence, fear, all of them together. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and you perish in the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in Him. In these words, this command, the meaning of the word reverence is um, translated to fear or trembling. True trembling and, and fear that manifest or that show reverence, even in the moments of crisis, will contain the element of joy about which we will talk at, at another time when we are talking about uh, joy and prayer, a prayer that is supposed to be brought with joy. This is an element that is needed for a warrior of prayer, but it exists every every element exists in one another. And this kind of definition and virtue called reverence is a result of the deep faith and knowing of God's almightiness and His absolute love toward us. Whatever may happen, a person does not um, he continues to to trust as di how difficult it might be, how hard, how how shameful, whatever his loss may be. If he has reverence, then he will have absolute love toward God, and know and he will know that God loves him and God has not left him. In this manner, a loud cry and tears in the times of crisis, crisis without reverence cannot save us from death. We know that Christ prayed in tears and cries. But God was heard because of his reverence. We know many people who, because of a stress, they pray, they scream and they cry. And then they feel better. They think that God has heard this kind of prayer. They don't know that a person's psychology, physiologically is made this way, that if he cries during his pain and he, or he says something of this or he vents, then it is better for him. But everything is left the same.
A person who has reverence, God hears him and he answers to him and he delivers him. Six, reverence in prayer is blissfulness that saves us from the bitterness of our heart from falling into calamity. So if we have reverence, our heart will never be bitter and we will be saved from calamity. Proverbs 28:14. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. According to these words, to define reverence, we need to define it by a good heart, whereas the lack of reverence is leads to a hardened heart. We should also note that being in reverence as well as hardness is not coincidental and does not occur with circumstances, but is the choice of man himself. Recently, as many of you know, a very big tragedy, we knew Ilya and he repented two times he came and then he left two times. He came to me at home without a call and he says, I want to repent. All right, I accepted his repentance. I said, you you said that God does not exist? He said, I said, what happened? He said, I saw demons. They began to chase after me. Oh, he saw demons. He had demons. He he had drugs. He started seeing demons. And then after a month and a half, he said, I don't believe you anymore. You are a hardened man. I don't believe any other word you say. I am leaving. I said, Ilya, they will kill you. This hardness? I don't, he says, I don't like it when people, when people are threatening me. I said, I'm not threatening you. I see he, um, he shot himself in the heart, as many of you know, this week, and he wrote, and he wrote, he wrote a suicide note, sorry guys, and he killed himself. And I know the parents, I can imagine what kind of stress they're in. When they're first born, intellectual, smart, he killed himself. They left the church. You cannot then answer for the salvation of your household. They said, go to any church but not here. Yes, he went somewhere and not here, and this occurred. So it's very important that being in reverence or hardness is our decision. We we decide whether or not to harden our heart or to accept reverence. Because being in reverence, a person is clothed into the curse of death. Being in the hardness of his heart, he he is in the uh, in the curse of death. But a person who is reverent, he is clothed in um, in everlasting life. Scripture says that as soon as a person is has a hard heart then he strays away from the life of God. Can you imagine what occurs when a person hardens his heart? He strays away from the life of God. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Ephesians 4.18, do you see this? This is clear in understanding. According to these words of Scripture, but from... Um, 
As I know, if a person begins to harden his heart, he begins to judge messengers of God. And if a person at this time does not repent, then he, like the fallen angels, would begin to judge God also and um, accuse him of his, accuse him. Whereas a person who is in reverence, he trembles from the fear of the essence of God as well as his works, even though these works may not be understanding to him. For example, I will. Um, I will mention um, a proverb that became classic in Christian literature um, and that has been said by many, many people on the altar. This will be contained in Luke 15, 25-32. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. Do you know, before these people are commit suicide, they are called to it. Excuse me, they are called. God tries to, through his messengers, call them, to warn them. He answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right, and we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. You see here that the lack of reverence in the hardness of a heart is a sign of the end times. The word hardness that defines the lack of reverence in Greek means resentment. Hardness comes with resentment. So this is a trap of, of, of devil. When a person becomes to resent somebody, he falls into the trap of devil. He is, he is resents life. He says, why am I so intellectual, but I can't reach this? Who, who left? He said to me, he who committed it, he said, I can't, I don't understand what God has, why God has done this with me. I am strong. I have finished college. But I see idiots. They don't, they're not prosperous. I'm not. He was not prosperous, however. He was like a bum. Although he had an intellect and he had resentment, this is why. He fell into the trap. It is very important. So this older son, he says, oh, he has uh, devoured his livelihood with harlots. Yes, but he also lived his harlots, and he came without his friends, without anything. He came himself, and he said, 
If you could have mercy upon me, Father, give me the opportunity to be among your servants. I'm not talking about being your son again. I know I've lost this right to be your son, but allow me to please at least be a servant because the servants are eat of your bread, the bread of life. And he said, no, you are my son and you will be loved, my son. And the he said of him, you never gave me a calf and to... Um, Gave, never gave me a calf. So the younger son had friends. Yes, they weren't prostitutes, they weren't harlots, but they weren't friends of the father. Why did God not give you even a calf to enjoy? So salvation is joy. Why aren't you joyous in your salvation? Why don't you even have a calf? because you have your friends who are not the friends of God. And Jesus answered to them and said, Matthew 24, 4-13, I'm talking about when a person hardens his heart, this hardness, this resentment. Take heed that no one deceives you. So take heed so that no one will bring you to such a state that you will harden your heart, that you will have resentment. For when he will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So they will say that I am anointed one. What does it mean, I am Christ? It means I am an anointed one. I received a revelation God has sent me. Not literally meaning Christ himself. And it is said, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and we will, we will hate one another. Many of those who did not have reverence, people who have reverence, you will not, you will not, they will not be deceived. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And so a person who is in reverence will be shielded from lawlessness and deception. Seven, reverence and prayer is the ability of sanctification through repentance in which we receive the opportunity to be separated from the factory of sin. Ezra 10, 1 through 5. We have trespassed against our God and have taken pagan wives from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. Yet therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and those who have been born to them, according to the device of my master and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. So we don't have this yet. But we, according to your advice, and those who revere before the commitments of God, we will arise for this matter is your responsibility. We also are with you. Be of good courage and do it. Then Ezra rose and made the leaders of the priests, the Levites, and all Israel swear an oath that they would do according to this word. So they swore an oath. And so according to the vice of Ezra, who revered before God, Israel began to have sanctification so that all those who took non-natives as their wives 
In our case, to be married to a non-native is to be married to the daughters of Cain as an example of a union of a man with his own flesh. To be married to a non-native is to be married to our flesh to take our flesh um, as a spouse and to fulfill the desires of our flesh. To not please God, but please our flesh. Genesis 6, 4 through 10. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. When people say that the sons of God are the angels of God, these sons of God, that's lie, because because angels they are not they are not they don't have a body. They are they are the they are the um, they are they are spiritual, and they don't have sexual desires. They don't have these emotions. But people believe in this that the sons of God are angels. But it is written here that that, that is not so. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart, and he said, I will destroy man. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked of God. Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So we already talked about them today. In this manner, reverence and prayer is the decision of man to not advise with his flesh, to not be satisfied by his flesh. And one more. Reverence in prayer creates great earthquakes and saves a man in his household. Acts 16, 25 through 34. But the, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. Foundations of prison were shaked, and the doors were opened, and the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So imagine what kind of Paul and Silas could not have paid, could not have prayed without reverence. They prayed reverently, and their reverence had called about the the fear um, of the of the keeper of the prison, and he and uh, he said, "What must I do to be saved?" And they said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household." Then they spoke of the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into this house, he set foot before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Acts 16, 24-34. This is a demonstration how reverence and prayer expressed in singing and joy to God um, during these kind of trials 
Um, moves the reverence in the prayers of others, expressing the acceptance of salvation over the household. Our time is over. I have a few more pieces of information. However, let's pray our service. Let's end our service with a prayer. And if we have this kind of reverence, then we will show it to God, because reverence, I repeat, is not an emotion as much as it is as knowledge and a trembling, of inner trembling. Yes, it can it can tremble, but if we do not know what reverence is, we cannot revere. If we do not place ourselves into the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, which with the power of the Holy Spirit unveils it at this time, which at a time we have reverence. Let us bow our knees and pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bow my heart with your holy saints before your Urim and your revelation that unveils the mysteries of our heart, that unveils the mysteries that are unknown to us, that unveil a mystery that you have placed in your Thumim, in your word, which we begin to, when we begin to look upon your word, it seems to us as a great phenomenon, a mystery. And if you, with your Urim, the power of your Holy Spirit, do not unveil it, the meaning of it, we will not understand anything. That's why we, with trembling and, and reverence, we thank you that you have shown us the goodness of your face and the revelation of your word. And so we know that you have shown us reverence in your face. If you were to not allow us to understand this word, then this would mean that you do not have your reverence in us. This would also mean that we don't have reverence before you because you are unveiled only to those who have reverence, who tremble before your face, who tremble before your name, who tremble before your revelation, who bow down before you and worship you. May your nation be blessed before your face with your reverence. May you unveil to your nation how our prayer is intended to be our continual prayer with which we could enter to you like kings and priests to come to you to fulfill your will to die for our will for our desires so that we could fulfill your will and your desires for your desires and your will are made in redemption that you have offered for man in which you have healed him from all the diseases, from all needs. And we thank you that today we can offer to you healing as your will, so that you could fulfill your will because you strongly desire your word because your saints bring your healing, perhaps not as your will, but as their illness they do not bring it to you as your will you have unveiled to us in what manner we can enter your presence as kings and priests where we do not have the right to all that we can represent is your will and your desires but your will and your desires are good for us but a man does not understand this and he thinks that he thinks 
of himself greater than God, how God sees him. We thank you that you think of us higher than we ought to think of ourselves. And you know us better than we know ourselves. And you know us. You know better what is good for us. That is why you wanted us to thank you for what we have. Because what we have is the greatest for us. Unhappiness is the lack is the lack of reverence. And we thank you that you today unveil before us these doors so that we could have the property of a warrior of prayer. Prayer that could give you the right to come on this planet and to fulfill all of that which a warrior of prayer will express in his prayer according to your will. We bow down before your will. We thank you in reverence and trembling. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not deliver us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the hand of the devil. For you, for you are the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. And now all of us together will proclaim our unchanging manifest. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.